Jason Harrison Price for Friday, December 15th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're heading to an event downtown this weekend, make it a staycation. Call the wall, 604 331 1000. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price, Gritty Sassett, and Switches conducting things this show. Presentation Applewood Auto Group. And Applewood GM in Port Hardy has got the deal. Of a lifetime. 2023 Silverados from 0%. Head on up to Port Hardy. Go experience Vancouver Island and get a smashing deal on a Silverado. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. Have the Canucks proven they are one of the best teams in the league? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter and YouTube. I voted no. Uh, I voted no because best for me encapsulates four, maybe five teams max. Canucks are right there on the line when you look at points percentage after a fourth straight victory last night over the Florida Panthers 4 nothing. So the Canucks are the number five team when it comes to points percentage at 683, now 29-1. and one. Uh, And yet... You know, I look below them and I see Colorado not far behind. So I voted no because I think they're just on the outside. Plus, it's a 30-game sample. Best is typically proven in the Stanley Cup playoffs or at least a little later into the season. Certainly have a chance to get there, but for the moment, I voted no. Uh, to me, they're right on the precipice. So mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. vote no, but they are they are one statement game, one more true statement game away from me uh, to mm-hmm. graduate this. Um, to me, they've proven that they are the top of the middle class. Yeah. Um, and and as I said, they, I, I want to see them be, beat Vegas. I want to see them beat Colorado. Yep. I want to see them beat uh, not all not all the Rangers, them, but yeah. Bruins, something like that. L.A. You know, L.A. Sh- L.A. too. Even L.A. would probably do it for me, even though L.A. Now, with this recent run of play here, L.A., with their games in hand, we know they've got four. They have to go three and one in those four that's, games to pass the Canucks now. That's one of the things that we've been tracking, and one of the things that suddenly looks like a difficult chore for the Kings when, really, before this four game losing or winning streak, effectively the Kings were the second place team in the Pacific when you'd looked at the amount of games they had in hand. They could sleepwalk and their gap and, and to catch the Vancouver them. Canucks, which wasn't big at all, but no, quite right. Like now, points, five point gap. Points percentage is 692 for the Kings to just 683 for the Canucks. They're right there mm-hmm. nipping at their heels. And even like the team, like the like the hard charging Edmonton Oilers. Well, they lost, but but still, they're eight one over. in their last nine. Mm-hmm. They're 14 <laughs> points ahead of the right. Oilers. Like, they're not even a risk. Good tweet on this matter from Amon, who says the Canucks are 4-4-1 four, four, and one against the top 12 teams holding the three divisional spots for playoffs currently, and 12-5-1 and one against the top 18 teams in both conferences in playoff position or on the edge of it with Tampa and the Oilers being ninth in each conference. That's called a good second-round team. As of now, that, that's yep. that's uh, that's something I can get behind, and that's sort of uh, mm-hmm. akin to what I said. You know, not king of the losers, which is what they used to be. Remember, right. they used to be the t- the the best team of the bottom third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know they've they've graduated now. They're the best team of the second third, I think, and they're just needing yep. to to push over the top. And, and unless you're a Stanley Cup pedigreed team, for example, Vegas this year, I think you could probably put Colorado still in that. Yep. Making the final four of the NHL, the conference final, is a successful season. Absolutely. There are very few teams for whom making the conference final 
is less than a success. Yes. Yeah, there's 32 teams in this damn league. If you're mm-hmm. one of four left standing, it's a huge season. Yeah. Did we mention Dallas in that discussion at all as we well? We didn't. No. But they beat them. Yeah, they yeah, did beat no, them. they did beat Dallas. And that, like Dallas. in terms of single loss teams, like like people might be saying, oh, they beat Florida. Florida's now a double-digit loss team. Mm-hmm. So like they're, they're not a bad team, but I'm just saying like right. they've got more losses than the Canucks have. But just when you look at that point percentage big group, lost to the Knights, overtime loss to the Rangers, lost to the Leafs, lost to Colorado, win against Dallas. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yep. In order to be the man, you got to beat the man. You going to give me a woo? You gonna give me a woo? Uh, you, heard, you, heard, you heard four of them last night. You heard four of them last night. Having a hard time keeping these alligators down. All right. The Roberto Luongo ceremony last night. Before we get into the uh, nitty gritties of the game, many called it low key, minimalist. Now I thought it was a nice touch with Corey Schneider as the uh, master of ceremonies there and the host. Mm-hmm. We know he's got the gift of gap, and it was great to see them bring Corey back as a big part of Luongo's history here in Vancouver. I also like the fact that you had the minor hockey goalies in gear tapping the sticks there for Luongo and his family yeah, as they made their awesome. way. That was a very nice touch as well. Good to see that Gina and the family were able to make it, and I thought another nice job involving Kevin BX as the narrator. Yeah. Of that video, and you know, you could tell the video affected Lou. He was rocking back and forth there a little bit. Eyes were welling up, pursing the lips a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It was good. and we know he's a feeler. Yep. How about that goalie face off? <laughs> I mean, it was completely <laughs> awkward and weird, but it was it was perfect. Demko was like, I'm, was I don't perfect. know what I'm supposed yeah, to exactly. do here. <laughs> yeah, they both were. They both were totally. But I mean, it's fine. It's kind of you it, know, he's a great. he's a very different cat, Luongo, in a fun way, and I mean that as a compliment. And mm-hmm. so to have something weird and awkward like that is is right right on the nose. Uh, I thought his speech hit all the right notes. Although he did mention in the first inter- first period interview, first intermission interview with Murph that. He had forgotten to thank Ian Clark and Rolly Melanson, the two goalie coaches he had here in Vancouver. But um, starting with talking about how it's great to see hockey back in Vancouver, and he's right, that crackle, that energy, that, you know, Penn community topic of the Vancouver Canucks is back this year. And it's been an awfully long time, as he noted. And, you know, that's what he was accustomed to. Every game sold out, right? Everywhere you went, the Vancouver Canucks were on the tips of everybody's tongue here in British Columbia. So very good of him to recognize that off the top. And I love the fact that it was very much a fan-oriented speech, that it was a speech um, drafted, designed to talk about the fans and his experience here in Vancouver with the public, not just as a professional hockey player, but as as a person as well. Now, there's a... Little be a little bit of me that wonders that you know was it that fan oriented because it was a Ring of Honor and not a oh he thanked the Aquilinis no, he, did, he did go through the, those things so it was the Aquilinis Dave Nonis for making the trade to acquire him Mike Gillis for giving me that contract <laughs> which nice. is a wink and a nudge I think yeah <laughs> AV and Torts and when Torts got booed he, he shut that down yep. defended him extended an olive branch. Talked about Ryan Kessler, Alex Burrows, Kevin Bieksa, who were three of the stalwart teammates of his through his eight seasons. And then, you know, noting, and you know, I guess I hadn't heard this specifically, but yeah, all the highlights for the Vancouver Canucks in that era 
did happen on Rogers Center ice. Like they memorable moments, yeah. They beat the Blackhawks, the Slay the Dragon game at Rogers Arena. They beat San Jose, the stanchion goal at Rogers Arena. He mentioned the very first playoff game he played for the Canucks against the Dallas Stars and four overtimes. And he also mentioned that uh, that Olympic gold medal game in 2010. And he's absolutely right. I mean, you know, to think the Olympics could happen in any city around the world, that they happened in North America that year in the rink where he would be the home goaltender for a rink that he's the home goaltender for his club team. I mean, that is absolutely stars aligning stuff well, there. He, he didn't mention it, but, you know, he first ever Stanley Cup final start gets a shutout. I mean, he he did well on Rogers Arena. Not so much elsewhere, as has been chronicled. Yeah. But on the fan side, too, I mean, the first and last comments. Yes. Starts by, you know, g- giving the nod that you talked about to the, to the fans and then ends with the free the skate mm-hmm. as an agent of chaos just to send everybody twittering off into the night. And, uh, he, he, you know, he never – did he ever – ever? He, I don't think he ever wore that. They didn't, they didn't bring that out as a third until well after he was gone. He never wore the skate, did he, uh, no. Grady? I don't think so. Um, no. He wore millionaires, of course, or <clears> – <throat> Was given a millionaire's jersey. He had the old. <laughs> you think he kept that one for the personal collection? <laughs> that one might have been a ceremonial burn <laughs> at some point. He did um, wear the stick and ring. Let's auction that one off for charity. Yeah, he did wear stick and ring. You're right. It, it, yeah. But he wore OG stick and ring. I don't think he did the revitalized stick and ring one, did he? I think he did the OG one, like the curtain box stick and ring. Um, Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. man of the people. He knows yeah. that that's a Canuck Twitter thing. He knows that the fans love to talk about the skate, and it was that was purely a nod. And he's a bit of a, a hockey historian; like he he appreciates the history of the game. Um, that was right on brand for him as well. It was perfect. To me, the biggest um, or the most profound thing that was said last night was Roberto thanking the fans for not just making him a better player, but making him a better person. And then talking about how in his early days here, he was too defensive, he was too guarded, and he learned to let his personality show. And Blake, you'll remember the early years here, while everybody was absolutely uh, euphoric about the level of goaltending the Canucks were finally getting. And, you know, of course, this off an era where you had the highest scoring team, the best offensive line in hockey in the West Coast Express, but just couldn't get a save when you needed to save. Um Oftentimes, he drew a lot of criticism for glaring at goaltenders or not necessarily taking full responsibility for goals that did go in, not that they were many. And I can remember a meeting I had around this time of year with a Canucks official years and years ago who asked, do you have any ideas in terms of um, softening Louis' image with the fans? Because that's a truly good person, and there's a lot of fans here who don't think that or don't know that, whereas there are other players on the team who aren't quite the same level of humans that Roberto is that seemingly are beloved. This was something that the Canucks were struggling with a little bit at one point with regards to Louis's image in the community. And then, you know, along came uh, Luongo, who was more happy-go-lucky, more jovial, more willing to um, invoke humor, and of course the Strombone One account. And the next thing you know, you have a total image overhaul there and you have an incredibly beloved figure throughout the province there's a lesson in there for the hockey world that so often tries to repress players personalities turn them into robots who 
all parrot the same cliches. You know, and Roberto acknowledging that the fans here made him a better person. Like, what greater compliment could you give a city and its hockey fans? And I'm just so delighted that he talked about all that yesterday, Thursday, because more often than not, this fan base is, and media is treated like the boogeyman, right? Like, oh, things are so tough in Vancouver. Oh, the fishbowl in Vancouver. Nobody wants to play in Vancouver. Bullshit. Look at the quid pro quo that happened here between one of the great players in the history of the game and the fans of this community. You know, I people know that myself and Mike Gillis didn't get along so great back in the day. Clearly we do now. You seem to get along the other day. We get along great. In we fact, get, um, we get along great. Before we hit record, it was more Grady and I were, that were taking the brunt of his uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. teasing. He didn't even, he spared you. Yeah, totally. I've got the invite to play golf, and yeah, no. that's true. He even invited you a second time. But I would say the pinnacle of our angst together was a, a private phone call he broke off to me in defense of Roberto Luongo one day. Um, after I had been critical of a, of a three-week stretch of play in which he had, had struggled or something like that, um, I can tell you, I was far more critical of Ryan Kessler back in the day. Far more. Number of calls I received from the general manager in defense of Ryan Kessler, zero. So same sort of thing. I, I to echo your comment. I, they love this guy. They they really thought the world of him on the ice and off the ice. And um, you know he's he deserves the accolades uh, on both fronts. And and yeah, you're right. I think he grew and 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 I think it, part of what he was saying too was. He, you know, the criticism and learning to deal with it also gave him some sort of perspective on what really matters, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I don't need to pay attention to every single nuance of what somebody says about me. Who gives right. a bleep about what Tim Thomas thinks yeah. of me? You know, like, it, it, it just doesn't matter. Do your thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he eventually got there. Luongo did wear the revamped stick and rink, by the way. I he did. Ah, yeah. damn. 2008. He's an Monday. There you go. I'm not sure no, when they finished it, but it's fine. We'll give you a pass. Okay, thank you. Today, <laughs> of all days, <laughs> it's an easy one. Put me down. Happy birthday! Yeah, thank you. He doesn't like to celebrate his birthdays, ladies and gentlemen. But I caught a phone call earlier this morning from one of his daughters. Happy birthday, Dad! Thank you. Yeah, one year away from the milestone, if my math is correct. No milestones. I'm a man in his 40s. That's all that matters. No longer a baby <laughs> Enjoy dragon. Enjoy it while you can, baby dragon. No longer a baby dragon? Yeah, exactly. Be a senior dragon next year. <laughs> Be blowing fire Let's, at the castles. Like if I'm not Game getting discounts, I'm not a senior dragon. No way. Do they not start it? No. Oh, stop. 55? Six years? Okay, as for his free the skate comment at the end, I have three theories I'd like your feedback both of you on. On them. Number one, that Louis is attuned to the wants and desires of Vancouver Canucks fans. Oh, yeah. It has been since the Strombone yeah. one account. Well, he's, he's buddies and, with Wyatt, and why, we all know Wyatt, how hard he pushes right. through the yeah. skate. So he's attuned to the wishes of Vancouver Canucks fans and thought he would use his platform to support them in a speech that was very much geared around the fans. Number two, He's just such a hockey nerd that he wants the skate back too, because that's the jersey and the logo of his youth and would have loved to have worn it here as a Vancouver Canuck. And number three, you know, the one thing he's endured since these plans were announced 
earlier this year that he will be in the Ring of Honor is a lot of people questioning him, asking him, oh, what about a jersey retirement? Don't you think your jersey should be retired? Which is an awfully awkward question to get, Mm. right? If you're in his skates, his size 15 skates or whatever they His skis. His BXs said his big feet. So was that also a little bit of him going, all right, it's Ring of Honor. It's not Jersey retirement. We know what Jersey retirement would have meant to him. He made things a little uncomfortable for me here over the last few months, Connect Sports and Entertainment. I'm going to return the favor playfully at the end of my speech. I, I don't think the latter. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't think the latter um, because – there's enough momentum from within the organization as it is. The two surprise skate nights the other the other week, uh, they recognize the success of the skate. So I, I, I you know, whether so you think it's door number one or two, but it's door, it's not. I door think it's door number, number one and two for sure. Okay. I think there's elements of both Grady, of those things. What what says you? Yeah, I'm with I'm with Blake. Perhaps maybe he's trying to kind of you know stick it to them, but. I don't think it really needs to be more done. Like we've seen how outspoken the fans are. We saw them do that marketing campaign last year. You know, they're well aware of the demand. I mean, Francesco Arcolini himself might not love the yeah. skate jersey, but Connect well, Sports. That's, that's who I wonder. It, but Connect Sports and Entertainment to. does. Again, I they, wow. they are leaning into it mighty fierce. So I, I don't think there's any need to uh, upsell it to the managers. Well, that was my theory uh, with door number three. That. His paisan, Mr. Aquilini, who but we would, have had a fi- would have had a final say on this. Not to mention the fact, you may remember, Roberto thought he was being traded. They moved Corey Schneider instead. Yeah. With Francesco in Roberto's driveway in Florida to meet him and explain why. And yet, a year later, Roberto's on the move now getting his trade back to Florida. I I did wonder whether that episode was what deterred Francesco from giving him the rubber stamp of number retired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I, uh... And I do think Roberto likely is aware that ownership is one of the things blocking a full return to the scale. Although, like, what... There's there's been innuendo. There's been rumor. Is there any evidence that Aquilini actually hates the skate? Like, what do we have? He's never made a comment on that. So, no. Does he really hate it? I don't think he hates the amount of money it's generating. I I think what my guess is, is that he felt like we've done all this work to rebrand the team after the maroon and blue. Yeah. Like, why don't we just stick with what we've got? And that's fair. But I, I don't know that he, I mean, he's about making money, guys. This, this is an opportunity to make a ton of money here if you do the full, the full change. But even now, I think even he can see, as a third, he's making a poop ton of money. Well, yep. that's it. On the black. So, it, hey. you know, I don't think he's against making money. The name's Aquilini, not Blackwellini. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Aqua. And they also I revamped blue. it, too. Like, you oh, remember, I see. You remember the yeah. one they had a couple Reach. of years back? <laughs> yeah, that is. Jeez. <laughs> Bad joke. Come on, man. Uh, I think they like the corporate colors, as is. Yeah. And, and even the logo. Like, for years, people thought, oh, Orca Bay is out of the picture in terms of ownership. They might move away from that. But 
as we know, orcas are symbolic to the West Coast. Honestly, if Orca Bay wasn't the one-time owner, I don't think people would mention the Orca because it's a, it's a First Nations-esque sort of thing. Like it's it's yeah. it's it, it hits. It's indigenous to our community, exactly. and it's indigenous to until Seattle came along. It's indigenous to no other community. If we didn't know that Orca Bay existed, I don't think people would have as much trouble with it. I don't. As it stands, I think it's an okay logo. I don't love it. I think it's okay. Um, like both of them, I like it. I think I both like of them are okay. I like it a lot. The colors of of the black are spectacular. Yes, the black certainly pops in a way that. Yeah, but of course, if you go full time to that logo and that color scheme, you are going to get either the white or the gold, right? Yellow, whatever it is, whatever. Yeah, yeah the the blue and green is more symbolic to. Oh, of course, being a Vancouver Canuck. Of course, it is. No, but what I'm saying is if you go to skate full time, you don't get to wear the blacks every game. Right. You need a light jersey. So you yeah. need a light. Or you just well, keep on keeping on. So that's got to be considered as part of the equation here. If they really want to hit a home run with the fans, they need a white flying skate. Do you think so? Yeah. Why not? Go yellow. Just be ridiculous no. and go yellow. Flying V. Now, the yellow skate. Now, that was ugly. I actually think that one's almost uglier it, than the flying game. It, absolutely. So just lean in. Go full ugly. <laughs> Part of your Halloween history. game. Absolutely. They had a chance to go flying V with a home game on Halloween this year. They chose not They to. did it in warm-up for the 50th, right? Yeah. Yeah. 4 nothing over Florida. Fourth straight win. They've won five of six. They go 4-1 and one on this homestand with two shutouts. Their 12th home wins is the best in the National Hockey League. And, Blake, you you talk about winning weeks. Well, the third 10-game segment of the season with the Canucks now at 30, uh, 30 games, they win that too, 7-3 and three in their last 10. And winning last night means that they win this week as well because even if they lose on Saturday, they've won the week. So, like, it just... Just they just keep Blake on goes Sunday to Saturday. So. Keep they keep on going with the traction. Like they just mm-hmm. they, they keep on just ticking things off the list and not letting themselves get too low at all. And they're winning with depth. Like yes, Besser got on the board. They, he he gets a point, but guys in the bottom six contribute. You don't need, and that's what good teams do. You don't need your stars every single night. You're not going to have your stars every single night. Seventy percent of the nights, eighty percent, yeah. But somebody's going to have to win you some games. In the other nights, and Thatcher Demko and the depth scoring won the game last night. And now you have Pew Suter back, which gives a little more balance with Kuzmenko in terms of giving him an offensive guy to play with. Yeah, Grady, I was going to get to balance, but first I was going to start with your goalie buddy who made 36 saves in a shutout victory. Here's Thatcher Demko. How appropriate Mm. to get a shutout. They were looing at him Mm -hmm. on Roberto Luongo night. Yeah, I mean, it's poetic, right? It's... uh someone's in the air you know um just a really cool evening he's such a, a first class guy and you know I, I'm, I'm not super close with him but every encounter I've had he's treated me with respect and that's always really cool coming from someone that you you watch growing up so um just a really cool cool evening and um obviously it was a good one too something in the air 35 Thatcher Demko plus one Roberto Luongo Equals 36 save shutout. Ah, that was a reach, too. My God, you guys. (laughs) Uh, Back to fifth in goals against, back to fifth in save percentage. Demko's. uh, You don't think those numbers are. Who's the guy usually reaching on this show, Grady? You. What? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. We all reach from time to time here. 
I'm not the deep cuts and B-sides and do I think I see this and, oh, maybe this relates to that. No. You didn't think um, those numbers were kind of neat, given the circumstances? They're not I quite they're... Uh, Henrik and Daniel in no. their uh, overtime goal no, against that, Arizona. That was, yeah, that, that was. Anson Carter's goal totals. The higher powers. Go, and assist totals when he was here, 22 and 33. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Here's the thing. 4 nothing victory and margin in the third period allows you to space out the ice time. And boy, did Rick Tockett and his assistants do that last night. Really balanced across the forward group. Tyler Myers and Nikita Zadorov play more than Hughes and Ronick, who fall short of 20 minutes, Blake. And then so many guys name-checked by the head coach in the aftermath. Dakota Dakota Joshua and his two goals. How about Connor Garland creating goals, even if he's not getting on the score sheet for those goals, both on the, uh, Mm -hmm. well, on both Joshua goals. Connor Garland is making a play. Bluger with a fantastic pass on the first Joshua goal. Bobrovsky with a fantastic pass on the second Joshua goal. Here's uh, Here's the head coach on being able to keep players fresh heading into this road road trip. Well, I think the last three, four games, I just think that uh, some guys are playing well. You know, the, I think Dakota, Garland's playing well. Teddy, you know, Sue's, uh, Suter tonight was really good. You know, I, I want to get Kuzi's, you know, I want to get his confidence going. Um, you know, um, you know, laughs, you know, laughs. I think those guys got to play a little bit more. And if that means you got to take a little bit more off your stars, so be it. I mean, but those guys know. I mean, we've got to count on those guys. I mean, like I said, four nothing, and the minutes were, I mean, they were great. I and mean, we got a four game road trip in six days. I think Blue. There wasn't a lot of mileage on some of those guys, so that, that's going to really help us. I think Bluger's underrated. Uh, mm-hmm. Offensively, I mean, I mean, we we know what he was brought here for. He wasn't brought yeah. to generate offense, but he's got he's, he's got, got good hands. He's, and got, he's hands. got better hands than you would think for yeah. a guy who's got that few goals. Yeah, yeah. In his NHL and, career, and, and again, this is not an advocation for elevation up the lineup. You mm-hmm. keep this guy exactly where he is. He's probably having this success because he's where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, keep them where they're having the success, and and Bluger slots in so nicely when Suter's in the lineup. We and talked this- about that spine coming back up the middle, and I think we saw last night what that does is that it it just it elevates that bottom six to a new level. Yeah, I was just gonna say the center depth just brings so much balance to everything yeah. else, and then you don't have to rely on. JT Miller playing big power play or penalty kill time. Kuzmenko gets a goal as well, so the redemption tour continues the there. Just an absolute beauty. Like that's like well, he, that guy with you know with time and space in front of a goaltender is an elite offensive player. But he was getting heat from behind though. Like there was there was he had to get that shot off quick, and he did. Like that to me, that was the goal scorer. That was the goal of a of a guy who's on a heater, and he's not. It's back to back games, mm-hmm. but it, you know it's a short heater at this point. But that looked like a guy with confidence, which is interesting. He was moving his feet. And how many times this year have we seen him get the puck and he kind of hesitates and tries to, you know, overthink it. And then, boom, there's a checker on him trying to strip the puck. Like, he got that puck from Garland. He went downhill. He went to the net. And he got that shot off. So the Canucks into Minnesota and Chicago this weekend. The first two stops on a four-game trip that will also see them face the Nashville Predators for a third time this season and then those Dallas Stars again that we talked about uh, on the 21st Thursday before the 23rd home game against San Jose then they're off for a little bit Christmas time and back at it against the Flyers on the 28th these are both uh, 
Day, day side games, a 11 a.m. puck drop in Minnesota, a 12 p.m. puck drop in Chicago, and our first opportunity to see Connor Bedard, the North Vancouver sensation, face his childhood team in the Canucks. Yeah, should be fun. Should be fun. I would suspect he will bring his A game for this one. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting more on the visit to Vancouver, but oh, um, for sure. But this is this is uh, he might he might actually be more comfortable in this game. We might actually see a better performance in this game rather than trying to do too much, perhaps when he comes home. So well, and he gets them on a second of back to back too. Yeah. So yeah, perhaps an opportunity there for young Bedard, and I imagine there will be loads of people in this community watching that game for. Both reasons to watch the Canucks as they, well, maybe even go for a sixth straight victory in that game, right? If they're able to beat Minnesota and also to tune in to see what all the fuss is about. And he is uh, worth the fuss, Connor Bedard. Bruce Boudreau going to coach Canada at the Spengler Cup. So good to see former Vancouver Canucks head coach back behind a bench. Another Christmas time uh, tradition here. And, with regards to the World Juniors, I just want to get in. We missed this yesterday. Scott Salmon of Hockey Canada. So the deadline for NHLers to join the World Junior team, and there's a number of them out there. Zach Benson, Chillax Zach Benson in Buffalo is among them. Uh, the NHL roster freeze comes into place on December 19th. That's also the first pre-tournament game for Canada. So they effectively want an answer on December 17th. It's what's uh, Sunday. Yeah. Maybe Monday. If be, any of these NHL junior age players um, are even subject at this point to consideration to go back and play for Canada. Patras and, and, um, and Benson are the, are the, the key guys. And but they're playing decent minutes. It's not happening. And he, they said as much. They're like, no, you guys are playing in all situations. Like, it's, mm. ju- it's not happening. And, and yet, Blake, you know, NHL coaches in the way they are, like, if a, either of those kids goes out and has a stinker or two before Monday, I do wonder, right? Yeah. I mean, I haven't been watching either team, uh, Buffalo or Boston. With uh, well, Potras went through a bit of a slant. He yeah. he stormed, right? It was totally. the talk yeah. there for the first, and then reality slapped back. But he's still getting a lot of he's still getting a lot of minutes. Um, and, yeah. and coaches love their tools, and they at this point they could give two, a rat's ass about the mm-hmm. World Juniors. They're after number one, and that's them winning the next game. So. Uh, it sounds like it'll be a CHL play. I'm not sure if you watch any of the football game before puck drop or before the not. ceremony yeah. on Thursday night. But uh, I got my thanks to the Las Vegas Raiders because <laughs> you only needed to watch 45 minutes of the game. It also restored faith that touchdowns can be scored. Yeah, and you put that one to bed and then you moved on to hockey cleanly, not having to ever check back except for to <laughs> gawk at the score. And I apologize for my underbet, as has been pointed out in the inbox already. (laughs) (laughs) 63-21. 63. And only the second highest total in the NFL this year after Denver. Yes. Allowed 70 to Miami. 63-21. The Raiders win. And the Chargers Chargers respond. And, you know, this is still a rivalry because they're both still in the same division. It used to be a very heated rivalry when both teams were in California. 
particularly when both teams were in Southern California, with the Raiders being the L.A. team and the Chargers being the San Diego team. In fact, got a chance to go to a Raider Chargers Sunday night game at old Jack Murphy Stadium. Blake, the place was half silver and black. All the old L.A. Raiders fans make the trip down. So it's a rivalry game, and the Spanos family, which has owned the Chargers forever, is aware of that, and they respond by firing the head coach, Brandon Staley, and the GM, Tom Telesco, after this loss, and with good cause. There is more talent there than what the Chargers have been able to do in terms of record. They have mastered losing close games, blowing leads. They also are the only team in the NFL with two $20 million receivers in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and two $20 million defense alignment in Khalil Mack and Nick Bosa. And uh, you look like looks like the Chargers are going to go into some form of retool or rebuild. And you do wonder about the hoodie. Uh, he has been rumored there in the past whether Belichick will make the trek cross country. Anyway, to defend my bet, by the way, the Raiders getting sixty three points was the most unpredictable thing yeah, on the planet. Three, nothing. They, they were shut out last week. They haven't scored more than 17 points since November the 5th. Yeah. They've broken the 20-point barrier twice oh this season. So they're one of the unwatchables. Well, and, and, just look and, at the and the Chargers are coming off a 6 nothing win a couple right. weeks back <laughs> look, against the Patriots. Look at the quarterbacks who were coming <laughs> oh, into that game. Two teams with Well, they were thinking outs. of benching O'Connell going into the game. I, I'm telling you right now, O'Connell, he's, no. He's not the long-term answer there. As for this weekend in the National Football League, we talked about how this is a pretty good-looking Saturday triple header mm. because of the stakes, not necessarily because the games are going to be great entertainment. You do have Minnesota and Pittsburgh involved here. But the Vikings sitting on the sixth seed in the NFC at Cincinnati, who despite a couple of wins here, the 10th seed, we'll see if the Jake Browning story continues there. Then Pittsburgh, who's just on the outside of the AFC, the eighth seed, playing the final team in in the AFC, Indianapolis, the seventh seed, and, as it stands today. And Mike Tomlin coming off some harsh criticism from oh, Ben Roethlisberger. Boy. Now, I have two thoughts on that. Number one, Ben Roethlisberger is an asshole. Yeah. But I think we've known this we've for known some that time. for a long time, yeah. Number two, I wonder whether that was something about his tenure there and he was waiting to stick That's right. Life. That's right, yeah. And, of course, that relates to point number one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so we'll see if the black and gold can get it done in Indianapolis. And then Denver, the ninth seed in the AFC. At Detroit, who's the third seed in the NFC right now because of that terrible NFC South division, but also showing some fishers there in mm -hmm. Detroit. And then Sunday, you got the Battle of the Bays, Tampa at Green Bay. Tampa on a playoff spot by virtue of leading the NFC South. Green Bay in the final playoff spot in the NFC. Dallas in Buffalo. And needless to say, Buffalo riding high after their big victory, but still a lot of work for the Bills to do to get back into a playoff position. Although Miami's lost Monday, it leaves open the division here potentially. And then maybe the game of the weekend, Baltimore at Jacksonville, were the first and fourth seeds in the AFC as it stands now, square off. Well, back you... to the Broncos and KC, though. Mm -hmm. uh, like the KC's going to know, because the Broncos play on Saturday, if their first place standing is at risk. If the Broncos go out and beat the Lions, mm -hmm. 
they're at eight and six, and Casey needs to win to stay in first place all alone. Um, so that turns that Chiefs Patriots game into something of interest, even though yeah, it could be, even though you'd think it's mm-hmm. a it's an easy win for the Chiefs. You said the stakes are high this week. Well, they also are high for those playing fantasy football because it's the first right, week of playoffs. Of course. And you say, oh, we don't care about your fantasy team. It's well, true. shout oh, out all the boy. listeners out there because oh I care about your fantasy team oh and I God. wish you all the best of luck. Okay. So then, of do course, me a favor, unless you're listener. playing me. Do me a favor, listener. Inundate him with. Start sit, start sit, start sit. Yeah. Your start sits. Inundate him. With your bad beats. Oh. Okay. Did what? I see T Mart tweeting about a bad beat this week in fantasy? Yeah. Like, it was honestly, like point nobody two cares or about your bad beats. But there was like fantasy. 5K or something involved. Mm-hmm. Tell nobody Grady, tell Grady about your best week, transactions of the year. Yeah. You know, nobody what? cares that in week five you picked up Cole Komet and he's done wonders <laughs> for your tight end position. Um, honestly, this, this fake conversation has got my back up. No, it's, we, it's we true. Need to move I, on. I, we need I will up. say this, though, because I haven't played fantasy in more than 20 years. I, I just found it totally corrupted the way I view You're the game missing. and watch the it game. It definitely so. does, especially with injuries. I stopped caring about games. I started caring only about yeah. stats. And the trickle-down effect of that, Grady, was I felt like I knew less about the teams. Right. And you asked me the other day, who's my team? And I, I don't no, have I didn't. one. No, I didn't. I've oh, you're wrap- who you were allegiances. Yeah, I oh, got okay. wrapped up in the fantasy world. I don't have an right. NFL team. There you go. I'm so to pro- me, it sapped the joy. Prime example. Totally out of watching football. But the one thing I will give fantasy football is they finally got around to something that was in you know totally corrupted seasons when I played back 20, 25 years ago. And that is all the guys who get rested in the final yeah. week or two yeah. because teams have nothing to play for. So suddenly your quarterback who has led you all year in fantasy, isn't playing in your playoff game. So good job, fantasy. Philly at Seattle on Monday night. Blake, do you have any hopes for the uh, team down the I-5? Yeah, I do. That They get obliterated. <laughs> hey, Philly's lost a few in a row here. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Bounce back. I don't want the Seahawks to give me any hope. Mm-hmm. I want to bring up Mike Vrabel for a second. Just because if the hoodie does leave, is he a candidate to go into New England? Absolutely adored in that franchise for his years as a player. He's also adored by the Tennessee ownership group, so it's going to be interesting to see. And and they got a nice win Monday, but it's going to be interesting to see if he continues there, if he's got an opportunity to move to New England, if if Belichick moves on. And then I love this from Vrabel this week. They're young. Their rookie quarterback, Will Levis. Kind of reminds me of Roethlisberger in terms of the way he plays. He almost waits for contact. The kid in Washington as well, Sam Howell, they almost want to wait for contact before they make a decision to throw the ball. Uh, Rabel said, we've been showing Levis video of quarterback sliding to encourage him to not take the hits. It hasn't worked. So you know what we're doing this week? We're showing him video of quarterbacks getting the shit knocked out of them. And hoping that gets the young man sliding when he's in space <laughs> on the weekend. Uh, mentioned this last couple of days, but former Vancouver captain Marcus Naslin back in town December 30th at Pastime Sports in Langley. We're giving away two VIP autograph tickets. Text hashtag Nasland to 778-402-9680. We're going to pick a pair of winners on December 20th. Announce them on the show in time for Christmas. The event starts on the 
uh, at 1 p.m. on the 30th. Tickets available at pastimesports.ca. And don't be like Gary in the inbox with the umalat on the A because it won't qualify. Oh, Just really? Well, the, the inbox will reject it if yes. you put the umalat? Oh, yes. okay. Hashtag Naslin. Text it 778-402-968. And just to make sure you're in, you'll get a bounce back message saying, oh. thank you, we got your good, we got your submission and you're entered to win. Menu today. Brought to you by Greta. Great spot to catch the game throughout the season. A quick walk to the Rinker Stadium. A go-to spot for food, drinks, and fun before the game, after the game. Make it a game night or game day at Greta, as the case may be. 50 West Cordova or at GretaBar.com. Frank Cervelli stops by. We talk about the Luongo ceremony, his take on whether number one should be retired. Our poll question, are they a uh, one of the best teams in the league? Ethan Bear, who'll explain what's up there. Jim Rutherford and how long he is for this market, as well as uh, the phrase trade requests, which seems to be loaded now with NHL players. They're pushing back on trade requests and Jordan Cairo in St. Louis reduced to emotion and tears after getting booed by home fans after a uh, cold response to the firing of Craig Berube. And you know what? The hmm. St. Louis Blues fans, they're going to make Jordan Cairo a better person too. Yeah, maybe. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. J-Pat drops, drops by on the subdued ceremony. Kirk McLean ringing the siren. Who's next to the Ring of Honor? Well, let's talk about Kuzmenko, Dakota Joshua. Four wins in a row here. And we'll go to the people. Never a bad time to send us a tell me I'm wrong, a hot take. You can text 778-402-9680. The Great Clips text message inbox. Email live at securesomeprice.com. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing. And how about this? Tuesday, March 12th, Yellow Dog releasing their second mix pack, Dog Park. The Dog Park 8 Tall Can Mix Pack consists of four light and refreshing beers, the classic Retriever Gold Nail, Rollover Cerveza Negra, and two brand new brews exclusive to the Mix Pack, Rascal Japanese Lager and Pack Leader Pilsner. Sounds delicious. Treat yourself the end of a work day to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or foolish wine. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Infinity in Langley. This is, this is not a typo. It's not a typo. The 2023 QX50 and QX55, just the pictures of luxury, with financing from 0% or lease from 2.99%. Amazing. Go take it for a test drive. Sink yourself into the luxury at Applewood Infinity. In language. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question. Have the Canucks proven they are one of the best teams in the league? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. Joined now by NHL insider Frank Saravelli of the Frankly Speaking podcast and the Daily Faceoff. And he was sitting there in Philadelphia last night, Blake. Looking forward to the Roberto Luongo Ring of Honor ceremony. Watching the Florida Panthers feed because that's what was available to him on Bally's. Pick it up from there, Frank. No bueno. That's what it was. <laughs> I have no idea what they were thinking, but they 
instead of playing the actual ceremony, which they were obviously in the building for and had cameras on because they would occasionally cut to shots of it without any audio, they decided, oh, now would be a good time to look back on our two-year-old interview from when he went into the Hall of Fame, which said exactly nothing. Yeah. And so I was like, are they really not showing it? Is there some kind of technical difficulty? What's happening here? I was I left wanting some Lou and I had to get that on mm. social media. Maybe they just felt like it wasn't going to resonate with their crowd because he wasn't talking about the Panthers, I guess. He, I mean, he, that makes no sense. He, yeah. he it completely resonates with their, he, he, he has his number retired there and is actually a current employee of the team. Like I, yeah. I, it does not compute. Uh, the well, big, they, they didn't miss much. It was what, what did you, what'd you make though of free the flying skate? Like where the hell did that come from? Loved it. So, uh, address this in the opening block. I think one of three things, Roberto is very attuned to Vancouver Canucks fans and social media. He talked about how yesterday that speech was to the fans. He wanted mostly just to address the fans directly. So I think a, he threw them a bone. B, he's just such a hockey nerd that he actually wants to see the skate jersey back. And we came to know a hockey nerd here mm -hmm. in Vancouver. And the uh, more cynical side of me, Frank, thinks, okay, you're going to put me in the ring of honor and not uh, retire my number and I have to answer all these uncomfortable questions? Well, I can throw an uncomfortable question back at you. Mm. Those are I, have a con I have a confession. Mm -hmm. um, every year and I know he doesn't listen to this program, so I can say it every year uh, for Christmas, uh, Santa gets my son, a, a Jersey from around the league. And I put, uh, you know, the, his age on the Jersey as the number so that it's like, Hey, you know, this is another year and he's got a, a collection since he was three now. And every, every year, I don't know what to pick. And I picked this year, Santa picked the, uh, the flying skate. Ah, so uh, black it, or white? Black, okay. and it uh, it arrives uh, on Monday, and I'm I gotta say, like I'm kind of excited. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, who's the sharp? So the number will be what? Uh, the number will be ten this year. Ten, oh, very nice. Avalbert, it's a retired number. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in Vancouver. Well, what do you think? Should they have retired his number? Without a doubt, stone cold slam dunk, and it's actually kind of offensive that they did. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he is the franchise leader in all those categories. The fact that they got to a Stanley cup final, which as far as the team has ever gone, um, I, and what he meant to the marketplace and the fan base through all the ups and downs, like he's an immensely popular figure. As you see again, all these years removed still in Vancouver, the fact that you can only see fit to add him to the ring of honor when he was a first ballot hall of famer who did some of his very best work in a Canucks uniform. It doesn't really doesn't make sense to me. Like I don't, it almost feels like the Canucks are sending a message to him, which is like, Hey, you were unreal, but you fall short of the, the ultimate honor. And I just, I don't know what the thought process is in, in like, why do it at all then? The is he's such an, an unclean story. Like there's there's nothing straightforward about his tenure here in Vancouver, right down to the Stanley Cup final. Which, if you say Stanley Cup final, Roberto Luongo, for most people, they think of the blow-ups in Boston, probably forgetting he had two shutouts in that yeah, Stanley I, I Cup just, final as well. It's funny you said that because I just wrapped up Daily Face Off Live, and my co-host was Colby Cohen, who was a black ace on that Bruins team, and he was like 
Luongo top five goalie of all time. He goes, the only thing I can think of is the, is him blowing the lead in the cup final. Yeah. Cause that got him a ring. Well, I think this may well be one of those uh, issues where we're so close to it. We see all the things that others outside the market don't. The one thing that is absolutely clean about Roberto Luongo and Van- in the Vancouver Canucks, he is the best goaltender in franchise oh, history. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Period. Not even full close. stop. Yeah. 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 So and with can... all due respect to Kirk, like it's not, he's not even in the same arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, for what we always talk about, oh, was it a trade request? No, it was a mutual thing. As By the way, said. so uh, we just talked about Valley Sports. They played this interview and he said full on, and this is what made me do the double take was like, he said full on in the interview that he did request a trade. Hmm. Well, and that then, was, back, and then that was the Hall this... of Fame interview a couple of years ago, the one they threw to. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. In oh, there, wow. he said, I requested a trade. And then he made a point this week in Van with the press conference to say, well, it wasn't really a trade request. And I'm sitting here going, what is happening right now? Why well, is this being Well, there's two, two different incidents though, right? So I don't think he requested uh, a trade the second time, like when he eventually got to Florida. I think he did earlier with the my contract sucks when he wasn't traded ultimately i i think that was the request to be traded hmm. and then well, ultimately he, he well, no, talked, no 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 he no, talked no. specifically and said i asked for a trade and i asked to go to either florida or tampa and he I, said the fact that i went to sleep i went to take a nap before a game and they called me he said mike gillis called me and said you've been traded and he said where to? And he said, Florida. He said, I had to rub my eyes to make sure I wasn't dreaming. So I think you got it backwards. I I, I believe there was a mutual, uh, as Gillis and Luongo pointed out this week, a, a mutual decision that they were going to try and move him on when the Leafs trade fell apart at the one deadline. I think after Torts picked Eddie Lack for the Heritage Classic, as opposed to Luongo, that's when I think we had a full-blown trade request but the other thing frank connor garland tried to argue with us earlier this year well it's not really a trade request be prepared my friend in insiderdom they're going to push back on the phrase trade request i'm well aware of the semantics at play which is why i obsess with how i word my reports and what i say and how i hedge because Someone is waiting always just around a corner to punch you in the face. But why would he say my contract sucks if he hadn't requested the trade? I don't know. Why does it even matter? The point is like he you wanted, wanted out. out. Yeah. He wanted yeah. out. That's yeah. a great way to phrase it, yeah. Frank. We'll just he wanted out. Connor Garland, he wants out. Brock Besser last year, he wanted out. Roberto at one point wanted out. Yeah. Two of them are still here. One of them no longer wants out. Oh, why isn't his number retired? And why isn't his number? Mm-hmm. Is it because retired. of some of the drama that I I, I, I think be. it's in part because of him wanting out. I think it's in part because they look at it and go, he's really more Florida's guy than he's our guy. I think in part it's to preserve the feelings of Kirk McLean, who continues to work who in the cares? organization. No offense, Kirk, who cares? Like, if How that about, offends you that Roberto's number is retired, like, move on. Different manager, different owner, Frank, 10 years from now. Would it be weird to elevate him? Mm, yeah, it would now after all this. Like, 
And and the splits are so incredibly even. Like I just had to look it up. 572 games as a Panther, yep. 448 as a Canuck. The numbers are identical, 919 save percentage. Yeah. The wins, though, for playing 140 fewer games or 20 fewer games with the Canucks, he's got 22 more wins. Like, yep. I, I'm sorry. Like, it's it's not even a debate. And I always think back to uh, Flyers owner Ed Snyder, who I got to know so well, and his criteria was really simple. If you played a huge chunk of your career here and you're good enough for the Hockey Hall of Fame, that means you're good enough to have your number retired here. Yeah, and he explained in his uh, speech yesterday that you weren't able to see that he talked about the best times of my career were here. The peak, the pinnacle, the prime of his career was played because here in Vancouver. Because people cared. Yeah, well, not only that, he played on some excellent teams, right, which he never got a chance to in Florida. So, um, yeah, and, and look, the the one thing you – the one thing that everybody knows about Roberto is that he's like amongst the most competitive people that I've ever met. And so being in this arena, being in this cauldron and Frank, to me, this was the favorite part of the speech last night. He talked about how Vancouver made him a better player and a better person that he was too defensive, that he was too guarded, that he needed just to let his personality shine. So you're talking about a guy who had professional and personal growth here because of the intensity of this market, which is often something that isn't said when we talk about how difficult it is to play in a Canadian fishbowl. Yeah. How, we how do you make a diamond? Do you apply significant pressure, pressure to it? Yeah. And... So, so Jordan Cairo will have his number retired in St. Louis. <laughs> is that what you're suggesting here? God, what, what, but first off, I didn't even know they had social media in Missouri. Um, that's that it's amazing how quickly they mobilize and reacted to a mostly innocuous yes like we're talking morning skate say something uh, give a no comment he's not my coach anymore to 7 p.m puck drop and this dude is being filleted at center ice i heard him being booed in the in the introductions and i was like good hockey market (laughs) you know just the the fact that they rallied that quickly i was like all right this this is a good market uh let's move on here frank uh ethan bear is not going to be a vancouver canuck it appears and yet the the number on the term is not crazy like i, I thought if somebody's gonna give him three years sure you got to walk away from that but it just two i mean and it's a manageable cap number i'm still a little surprised the Canucks still didn't go further down that boulevard i'm not just because of it's pure cap space right like you you don't know how he's gonna play nope. it's been a long layoff like i'm not i i think at there's a certain price that you you set as a realistic standard for Ethan bear. And if he accepts it, great. If not move on, because you can get someone that could probably accomplish most of the same without any of the same headaches and no strings attached. Meaning I don't want no offense. I don't want Ethan bear for any, any more than the rest of this year. I want to see how he plays and then make a determination moving forward as to his health, as to his game, as to his conditioning, maturity, all those things that have been huge question marks for Ethan Bear in the past that have never really been answered yet. But from his perspective, I think you have to take, even if it's just the second year, because of this. He's 26 and his career earnings are $7.4 million. Obviously not nothing, but he hasn't had some giant payday to rely on for security that if someone's offering you an additional couple million bucks, you take it. Hey, uh, we heard from Jim Rutherford this week. What's your sense of Rutherford and how long he is here for Vancouver? Two-year uh, two year plus an option deal, I believe, when he signed. 
Um, but we're past the two-year mark. What do you think the future holds for Jim Rutherford here? It's a really good question. And frankly, I was surprised when he took the deal to begin with. I was surprised to see him jump back in. I knew he wanted to, but, and I, I know there was always an itch for him to scratch, uh, getting a chance to work in a Canadian market. Um, and and certainly the way things sort of devolved in Pittsburgh and his, his exit from there, that there was probably a feeling in his mind after a Hall of Fame career to not let it linger on that note. That said, he's accomplished a lot with Patrick Alvine and their management group in a pretty short period of time. Is now when you turn the reins over or now with my understanding, and I felt a little bit, not guilty, but I wrote my story last week, a, a pure column, my opinion only about Patrick Alvine and, and the work and how aggressive he's been so far this season should make him one of the front runners for GM of the year. But that sold Jim Rutherford's part of this process, I think a little bit short, which is I think he's the guy more often than not that's pounding his fist on the table, not to do stuff, but he's right there with him actually getting the stuff done. So um, at, at his age, I think there's always a question of how much more do you want to work? And I think the easiest way to answer this will be he'll work as long as he wants to in van with the job that they've done turning this around. And if he wants to take it year by year, like Jim Nill in Dallas, he, he told stars owner, Tom Gillardi, look, like, I love it here. I love the work I'm doing, but at my age, I'm not sure how long I want to work. So let's just do it year by year. Mm. Yeah, and you do wonder if uh, he is able to uh, secure some sort of practice facility solution for the Vancouver. Much Canucks. needed. I can't believe yeah. like that was my first time going to UBC to watch the team uh, practice during camp earlier this year, and I couldn't believe that that's what an NHL team has to offer. Yeah, and uh, once that piece of the puzzle is solved, you do wonder whether he goes. Okay, pieces are in place. Alvin's got the training wheels I, off, and and who? By knows the way. Where- I don't want to hear for one second about how expensive things are in van. Nope. I know in, that the market is insane. I know land and everything is crazy expensive, but we're talking about a billion dollar franchise. Like just mm-hmm. get it, get it done. Yeah. yeah. It works well, in us dollars in a lot of cases. Um, I mean, well, this would be a Canadian expenditure, but no, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're more you're, to the point. You're, you're quite right. Like, you know, land is expensive in New York, in the Bay area. The, you know, there, this isn't the only place that land is expensive. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Marvelous stuff, Frank, have a great week. We'll catch up next Friday. Have a good weekend guys. No matter what you're buying folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Here's some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter.com. Blake, I'm going to start because we have another rule coming to the NFL. It is not the tush push. They're not going to outlaw the tush push. But the hip drop tackle. Have you heard of this? Mm, no. To Sean Reed, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell on the hip drop tackle. Quote, we should all work to get that out of the game. 
most pronounced earlier this year when Baltimore Ravens tight end Mark Andrews hurt his broke a bone and hurt his ankle after being the subject of a hip drop tackle. Not to be confused with the Hawk tackle, which Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks have been championing for years here. And both of these tackles have been in response to trying to get the head out of tackling, less head shots Mm -hmm. for the ball carrier and less risk with the head in prone position for the tackler itself, himself. The hip drop tackle, the defensive player, approaches from behind or the side, wraps his arm around the offensive player, and becomes dead weight while dropping to the ground. Often the defensive player's body lands on the offensive player's legs. NFL executive Jeff Miller says it poses a 25 times higher risk of injury than a normal tackle. It's effectively like a horse collar tackle, except for around the hips. Not on the horse. Where you have this sudden and extreme weight drop, creating a ballistic effect, bringing the ball carrier down suddenly Mm -hmm. and posing risk to the knees, legs, ankles, on top of the fact that a defensive player often lands on them. Yeah, you're not driving the the player with a tackle. You're dragging with your weight. The hawk tackle asks you to lift and then drive. And so while it can still be most violent, it's not quite as sudden. It's a little bit more of what you used to call the form tackle. I, I have noticed these a lot. I didn't, yeah. know, I didn't know they were called this, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, they, guys but, are doing it because they can't go high anymore. Yeah. They understand. If I get up high, I'm really risking a penalty here. So what's the most efficient way to bring a guy down? Well, if I'm 280 pounds, if I just drop to the ground with all my weight and momentum, but it's always he's on likely legs. coming. I see yeah, it all no, the time, for sure. and you're for just sure. like... I've been, I've been I mean, wondering if you're higher myself. than the legs, it probably doesn't work. You probably don't have the thrust to be able to, yeah, to bring them down. But I, I, I've seen it and just thought, God, how do they keep getting up? Like that's just a that's a 270 pound guy falling on on your ankles that have that are twisted. Like it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I good luck to them in 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 legislating it out, though. Oh, I, I think when the commissioner is that strong on it, we got to get it out of the game. I think he knows he has the votes on that. No, one. I no, it's not so much that. It's just that in the course of the game, oh, okay. like how do you, how do you tell them no, not it, to tackle? It, like it's that? going to be a controversial play going forward. Yeah. Yes, because there are going to be there's going to be an administration that's gray, right? Because it's going to be difficult to get to have this as a black and white rule. But I think you're right though about the it, it being sort of a, a reflex to the anti headshot. And now you're sitting. Now you're asking them to to color. walk a yeah. channel yeah. down the middle. It's going to be hard, which may increase scoring next year, which the NFL would be fine with after yeah, scoring right. has gone in a toilet. Yeah, if year. you're wondering why the tackling looks terrible, it's probably because they don't know what to do <laughs> anymore going forward. Um, at ET now, uh, a bit of an embarrassment, I think, for the entertainment beat. This week, Travis Kelsey was noticeably absent during Taylor Swift's 34th birthday celebration in New York, but for a good reason. A source tells E.T. that he, quote, remains committed to playing his best and doing his best on and off the field. The team practices are critical, mandatory to attend and something he takes very seriously. So it's no surprise he stayed in Kansas City ahead of this weekend's game. And, quote, this is sports people explaining sports to entertainment people yes. going he's got a job yes 
Like, like, practices are not optional in the NFL. I, 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 I don't think you need to be a diehard sports fan to know that this is not a scandal. Why this isn't is, he there supporting her? Yeah, well, yeah. job. He's got a yeah. job. Yeah. One that demands well, 100% also, attendance and then no attendance for like four months. So and I got to say, I, I have delved more into the entertainment press this fall than perhaps ever before. And uh, Kelsey and Taylor Swift are a huge reason why. I also read a headline that she's not as close with Brittany Mahomes anymore. Oh. That there is allegations that Brittany might be tipping off the press as to their whereabouts, oh. which is getting on the wrong side of Yeah, Taylor, of Taylor likes to keep private, yeah. Right, uh, whereas Brittany wants a lot of attention. That you much think? is clear. Yeah, yeah. At CFL underscore news, Stanford receiver Alec Ayomanor captures the 2023 John Cornish Trophy. This is the award uh, established by Jim Mullen and the good people of Football Canada, Gridiron Nation, for the best Canadian player in NCAA football. Aya Manor from Medicine Hat, Alberta, who has three years of eligibility left if he wants to use them, finished with 62 catches, 1,013 yards, and six touchdowns, but had one of the games of the year in college football. Frankly, one of the games, best games I've ever seen a wide receiver have at any level. It was a 46-43 double overtime victory over Colorado. They erased a 29-0 halftime deficit on the back of Io Manor, who caught everything in the second half. 13 catches for 294 yards and three touchdowns. And, of course, this trophy established uh, because John Cornish had a terrific career at Kansas University and then the pride of New West went on to be a record-setting Canadian Football League tailback and win awards in the CFL as well. So congratulations to Io Manor. I'm looking forward to watching this kid's progress because I don't think anybody foresaw. He wasn't even listed amongst the Stanford too deep uh, earlier in the season. I don't think anybody saw this kid coming out of nowhere or medicine hat and putting up huge numbers in a power conference. Finally, for me at CBC Sports, Stephanie Stacchio, Jesse Fleming named Canada Soccer Players of the Year. It's third straight year for Jesse Fleming, who uh, is probably going to be the captain's armband wearer with uh, Christine Sinclair uh, hanging up the boots for Canada permanently now. And uh, we'll have to try to match, of course, the production uh, of Sinclair going forward as well. She is uh, just 25 years of age, though, so she's got lots of uh, lots of soccer left in her. And for Stacchio, I think it's a great choice because... Davies has left some wanting, uh, yeah. you know, in a lot of matches lately. Uh, same thing for David and Laren. Um, he's the man in the middle that makes things happen, and Canada would be in a lot poorer place how much, without Eustachio. How much do they do they only consider national team play, or they consider club play with these awards? Uh, this is just national team okay. play, I believe. Yeah. And then lastly for me, at Jeff Passon, this spring, the best prospects from every Major League Baseball team are going to play a game against another team's top minor leaguers at a big league spring training stadium. The event is called Spring Breakout. It is sort of the preview to the Futures game that we have at the All-Star game now, where you get the best uh, international prospects playing the best American prospects. The major uh, Major League Baseball and its member clubs pledged to do a better job promoting the minor leagues upon whacking all those franchises a couple of years ago. That's one of the concessions yeah. they made is yeah. we're going to do a better job promoting what we have down there. Blake, as Passon reports, 
oftentimes you have games chock full of top prospects that are going on on the backfields of Arizona and Florida, like not the main diamond, but on the backfields. And so the baseball people got together and said, why are we hiding these guys in the backfields of these spring training complexes? Let's do a day where everyone agrees you're going to play your best prospects in the same lineup and then go and put that on television and market it. So uh, going to be a good opportunity here for some future and current Vancouver Canadians to get some shine in spring training and on MLB Network. And that's hashtags for today. Joined by Rinkwide Chef Patterson, our Canucks reporter. He took in the 4-0 victory over the Florida Panthers last night, including the Roberto Luongo ceremony. Quite a night at Rogers Arena, Jeff. It was. Uh, I thought it was a, a somewhat subdued ceremony. We've seen bigger ceremonies for lesser players. You know, there wasn't uh, the alumni from that whole 2011 era. Obviously, you had uh, Daniel and Henrik, and I thought Corey Schneider did a nice job on the microphone as the MC, and they involved Kevin Bieksa with the video, but nobody from ownership, nobody from management down at ice level, just uh, the Luongo family and uh, a couple of former teammates. And so uh, the crowd was into it right from the start, as you'd expect. And uh, so a warm reception and welcome and uh, lots of hearty lose as the night went along. And in fact, uh, we gave Roberto the third star on rink wide uh, last night. Uh, we thought that uh, you know, he played a role in that result for the Canucks, got the crowd into it, uh, brought some energy. So uh, you know, we can do those sorts of things on uh, post-game pod. So Roberto was the third star. Uh, obviously, Thatcher Demko was the first star and Dakota Joshua not too far behind there. So yeah, I thought uh, start to finish uh, another another really good night for the Vancouver Canucks who have won a dozen games now, guys. On home ice, no team in the NHL with more home ice wins right now than the Vancouver Canucks. Was the ceremony too minimalist? As some were charging on social media last night. Yeah, I mean, that's a debate that uh, certainly I have time for. I, again, I was surprised to just sort of, it was bare bones and <sighs> he's complicated. I mean, his time in Vancouver was complicated. And so uh, I kind of thought maybe the Ring of Honor would put some of that to bed, but uh, apparently not. People still want to, you know, debate uh, his place in all of this. I did think a really curious choice though, guys. I mean, it's Roberto Luongo's night and, you know, there are still loos echoing in the building from his uh, uh, name and likeness up there uh, in the Ring of Honor. And then they cut to Kirk McLean cranking the siren to rev the crowd up. I mean, that has always been a season ticket holder perk. And so on, of all the nights that night that, you know, there's still this discussion about, uh, is it not a retired number because of Kirk McLean? I thought, really? Like there wasn't somebody? Somewhere right. along the line in that organization that thought, no, Kirk can have that game against San Jose on, on the 23rd. Uh, this is Roberto's night. So that part felt a little uh, off to me. I think that's kind of their way of including McLean in the ceremony, uh, even if it yeah. wasn't specifically the ceremony, but buttress. But to what end? You know, like it, it's not a goaltending celebration. Well, it's, it's a it's a Roberto Luongo. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess a sort of welcome to the, uh, you know, Welcome to the honor roll, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a top Rogers. Welcome to the Ring of Honor. And, and look, Jeff, I, I, it was a tough, to me, it was a tough ceremony to put together because you go too far. And look, reading it on paper, what they had planned, it almost sounded like a Jersey retirement 
ceremony. Totally. And I do wonder whether they looked at it and went, wow, this like has all the hallmarks of a Jersey ceremony. Let's just go a little lighter, a little bit more minimalist Maybe. on the ice. Uh, but in the end, I, I remember I remember the feeling coming away from that Alex Burrows. I said earlier, thinking, oh, that was kind of light and easy and quick. And and that, if you're gonna call it a Ring of Honor, it, it should be quicker. And it was so they got they got down to business. Hey, you're right. Ask- it's not it's not the Jersey retirement. It is yeah. that sort of next level. And so there is a game to be played. And uh, right. but ultimately, like the people got to hear from their hero. It was a touching speech, you know. And that's not easy. I mean, I know he's spoken publicly. But uh, no notes, uh, so credit to him for just yeah. and stepping up. And you know, I mean, what an opening line! Just talking about how the fun is back in Vancouver. Like talk about playing to the audience. They ate that up, and then the closing uh, remark about uh, free the skate again. Everything he does, uh, that element of humor to it, and uh, we saw his personality on full display. So uh, his part of it, I thought, uh, was terrific. It was heartwarming. It was touching, and. And again, I, I do think it got uh, the people revved up in the building and away they went. Uh, this Vancouver Canuck team is uh, on yet another roll here with four straight wins and five of their last six. I didn't like the more opening. On, I didn't. Sorry. What? Well, I, did you want to move on? I had yeah. one more Ring of Honor Okay, question. go ahead. Will you permit that? Because I, I know you're done with Ring I'm of Honor, but I'm, it, not, yeah. I'm yeah. not done with okay. it. Who's next? Oh, Adler? I think Alex Adler. I think uh, to me... Uh, and Eddie's gone into hiding. Like I had tried to find him at some point a couple of weeks ago and put out some feelers. And I know that the Canucks had a, a brief video snippet from him uh, saluting Roberto. And that was the first time that I'd seen Alex Edler. But, uh, you know, I have to think that his playing days are done. He hasn't officially announced his retirement, but uh, no takers were coming up on the midway mark of a National Hockey League season at his age. You know, maybe he's hoping that uh, there is a team that runs into a rash of Injuries defensively, I wondered if we would see him, you know, play in an international tournament like the Spangler Cup just to keep his competitive chops or, you know, something like that. But uh, he has kind of gone underground. Uh, But I would think that Alex Adler, for all of his years of service to this organization, uh, he would be the next one to go into the Ring of Honor. Uh, off to the game, and I didn't love the opening few moments uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. I thought the Panthers uh, had the upper hand there, and that Kuzmenko goal was just what the doctor ordered for the team and for the player, obviously. Uh, it was a spectacular goal. I mean, not too dissimilar from the Bedard goal that we glowed about uh, in Edmonton a couple of nights back. And uh, and from there on in, they they were much better. It's like they needed to just shrug off the ceremony a little bit, um, but that shifted the tides, and I thought they were great from there on in. Yeah, Thatcher Demko, I thought, made a, a really nice right pad save off Kevin Stenlin early, kind of got him into it. Uh, and, guys, one of the stories, I think, for this Vancouver Canuck team, I mean, there's so many numbers that uh, have emerged out of a, a start like this one with 20 wins in 30 games, but they've opened the scoring now in 16, or check that, they've opened the scoring in 20 of the 30 games. They've won 16 of those games. So, uh, you know, they get out in front more often than not. Now, sometimes the first goal comes early, Other times, you need a couple of saves until you can get that first one. So it's never just as simple as, oh, I mean, both teams are trying to score the first goal. But but the Canucks have done a nice job of getting on front. They don't chase a lot of these games. Uh, The record when they take the lead to the third period is incredible now. It's 17-0. So, uh, you know, they're getting good at playing with leads. Uh, That was a story, obviously, last year far too often. And the early going was squandering those types of leads. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things that uh, you like about the way this group is going. And in that Kuzmenko goal, Blake, I mean, for a guy that has been so hesitant and reluctant to shoot the puck and double clutching, like he pounces, he anticipates the play. Garland does some nice work, uh, but there was no hesitation in Kuzmenko scooping up that puck, 
cutting to the middle of the ice. And then that shot, like that looked like a 39 goal scorer in action. So, uh, you know, he scored the other night and we all kind of thought, all right, we'll see if he can back it up. Is it a confidence thing? You know, he scored in back-to-back games. He's still sitting on six goals, not 16 at this point of the season. But yeah, I thought there was a lot to like in that sequence. It opens the scoring and then, you know, as it turns out, uh, they back it up with another one, another bottom six goal a little later in that first period. I mean, what a first period for the guy, the forwards, particularly a little bit lower in the lineup. Unbelievable. Dakota Jock, a game of a game of a lifetime for him. Uh, and he was gifted the second one, obviously, but he was in the right place. And the other one, I mean, where did those hands come from? My God, soft mitts, the spin move through the crease. I mean, it's a spectacular goal for Josh. After, after some terrific work from Garland and Bluger, yeah, too. Yeah. So uh, the full line there, as Taka was praising them in the post game. It was a really good night for Dakota Joshua. I mean, yes, obviously you're going to look at two goals and think, okay, that's terrific. It doesn't happen very often. And sure, that was a freebie. Mm-hmm. I mean, what an absolute gaff by uh, Sergei Borowski. I joked just in time to, you know, make it on those year-end blooper reels that run all through the holiday season. I mean, I still, like, I've watched the replay. I have no idea what the best-case scenario was there, but uh, obviously best-case scenario was not achieved. And Dakota Joshua with a tap-in. Uh, But look at his night, guys. I mean, two goals, six hits, which, again, is starting to become the norm for him. And when you think a guy that kind of slept walked through the preseason, the coach uh, had the shot across the bow uh, about his job being in jeopardy, and then they had to sit him down to the game in San Jose, that 10-1 romp, but he didn't get to have fun there. But since that message was said, uh, he has been a different player and not just leads the Canucks, but he's among the league leaders in hits. He's using his size effectively. And the other thing, too, is he let all connect forwards and penalty killing ice time with three minutes last night. Uh, and we are seeing a changing of the guard. And I was curious with Pia Suter coming back and they took Nils Amon out. Like, how would that impact the allocation of shorthanded minutes? But Dakota Joshua has become, we know we're talking. He liked him a lot down the stretch last year. I think he sees that there is more of a player there. And so some tough love early in the season, but they're reaping the benefits of that. But, you know, he's become one of their A1 penalty killers as well. So a fair bit of utility and a unique player with size. But as you said, the hands were on display and a guy that can kill some penalties. I mean, there's uh, some value there on a player that's right now playing on uh, essentially a a league minimum contract. Ask you the poll question. Have the Canucks proven they're one of the league's best teams? I mean, 30 games in, I'm going to say yes now. That uh, Like, it's hard to see the bottom falling out. We know what the top of the lineup can do. And then you get nights like last night where the bottom of the lineup was terrific. And, you know, we saw Tampa come through here the other night. Tampa's got the championship DNA. They're incredibly well coached. They've got star power for days. Guys are just skating right into the Hall of Fame. But the challenge for all those good teams is in a cap era to, you know, insulate and surround. And when guys deserve raises and they chase money elsewhere to try to replace those. And like Tampa's bottom, middle and bottom of the lineup now you know, nowhere close to what it was even a couple of seasons ago. And the Canucks, I thought, had a a distinct edge there. And I think you're seeing it again last night against a a team like the Florida Panthers that, you know, the Canucks didn't need their star power. Sure, Brock Besser gets his goal because that's what Brock Besser does just about every night now. And Miller and Patterson picked up points there. But uh, I was just looking back at it. No defenseman in on the scoring last night. Just the third time that's happened all season. First time the Canucks have won a game where they didn't get contributions from any of the defensemen because last night it was the bottom six that sort of did all the heavy lifting there. And so, you know, I I do think now they have, now that they're healthy, and that's part of the equation to knock on wood for them. I mean, Rick Tocchet had every forward available to him at his disposal. That's not going to be the case. 
there will be some knocks along the way. But so, win those games when you have that. Yeah, right? so when, absolutely. When, yeah, Strike while yeah. that iron is hot. Yeah. And I do think that the Canucks have an advantage there. Uh, you know, the, this is the same team, obviously, that gave up six not that long ago to New Jersey. Well, they've given up four goals since then. Like they, you know, talk it, snap them back to attention defensively, two shutouts since then. Both goaltenders uh, have pitched one of them. So, you know, I, I think maybe they needed a little bit of a wake-up call with that New Jersey game. Uh, since then, uh, they have been stout defensively. And so, yes, I, I w- you know, am I going to say that they are the top team in the NHL or that they're the, you know, Stanley Cup champs? No, I'm not going to that length. But I would say, yes, I think 30 games into this now that they have proven themselves to be one of the top teams in the National Hockey League. I'm just looking at Noah Jolson here. Is it 16 in a row he's played? At this stage of the game, sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So, are we ready to call him a regular now? And has he done enough that you could make Myers expendable if you're getting a right shot defenseman back later in the year? I mean, the first part of that is, you know, I think it was a tough start to the season. Rick Talkett even talked about that. Uh, but he has settled in now to a pairing, certainly with Ian Cole. And Juleson was talking about that uh, pregame. Uh, on Thursday, about just how easy it is to play with Ian Cole. He's one of the most vocal guys out there. I mean, that just speaks to, you know, the years of experience and the wisdom. And, uh, uh, you know, this guy has pretty much seen it all and done it all at the National Hockey League level. So uh, I would think a, a great pairing for Noah Juleson, who, you know, he was a first-rounder himself. Like, you know, hasn't panned out, obviously, to those levels. But there was a reason he was a first-round pick. Obviously, the scouts saw a lot in his game then. Uh, there have been some dips along the way. But he does seem to have settled in here. And I think kind of quietly, you know, his real utility and the numbers back it up is his penalty killing, where, you know, it's not about flash. It's about a willingness to eat pucks, to battle in front of the net, to try to clear lanes and, and you know, put yourself in, in harm's way from time to time. And he's done a pretty nice job of that. So I know a couple of weeks ago, he was sort of the whipping boy. And I didn't really like the way that was going, the treatment that he was getting, but not hearing uh, the howls as much about him. I mean, the Howells obviously diminish when the team wins four in a row and, and five of six. Um, so, you know, does he make Tyler Myers expendable? I, I think that's a different conversation. But if he does continue to play, you know, let's see where this team is. Let's see who else is healthy. When Carson Soucy gets back, I think that's going to be early in the new year now. Uh, it opens up more doors, potentially. Well, that's right? it. Yeah. I mean, I think he's been pretty solid. So, yeah. no, I, and I don't think he's second pair material. He's got to be your third pair, but it just makes you wonder yeah, whether um, you could parlay Myers and something else for a better top four right shot defenseman somewhere somewhere down the line. Uh, great stuff, Jeff. you got a busy weekend ahead yeah. here with these, uh, well, one matinee and one morning. Yeah, uh, puck drop against Mimosa. Minnesota Mimosa and uh, Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks on Sunday. We'll be listening. Thanks for this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing Connor Bedard against uh, his hometown team, obviously. And you know, I think just with the way the Canucks are playing, uh, you know, expectations should be raised. I mean, we always talk about realistic goals for road trips like this one. I, I, I would hope that this team looks at something better than 500. You know, about five of eight points certainly I think is doable given the level of the opponents. It gets a little tougher as the trip goes along here, but uh, they roll out of town with a fair bit of confidence and why not uh, plan well, some big wins here and uh, we'll see what the weekend brings. Oh, to the people. To the people. We, let's, yes. let's go to those people, shall we? Have to go to the people. I missed the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. 
to the people brought to you by the fine folks at Finning Cat. Improve your productivity and efficiency with equipment you can rely on. Go to Finning.com and check out the extensive inventory of new used rental equipment to find the solution that meets your unique needs. Need a part and never been easier. Finning Cat's online service. Invest in the future of your business. Check out the latest Finning.com. Thursday's poll question, will the Canucks goalie ever wear number one again? 77% of you said no. Trevor says this fan base won't allow it. Boo says, of course someone will. They didn't retire the number when they sure as hell should have. Brandon says, if no one wears it, can ownership go back on their ring of honor decision? And VJ says, hope so. Come on, it's an iconic goalie number. It is VJ, but as we... Pointed out all week, it is not necessarily the choice of the newer generation goalies. Why is that, Grady? How come none of you young bucks want to wear one anymore in goal? Is it pretentious? Just like those random higher-end numbers, 38, 40, whatever. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Uh, I went through that, and, and from 29 to 39... I mean, goalies are super spread out. And it's just so odd to see goalies wearing so many of the different 30s numbers because, and even 29, and I know that 29 goes back uh, quite a ways. Goalies have been wearing 29 for some time, but there's so many position players. Like, it's you know, they're they're sharing numbers with position players, and that didn't used to be the thing, right? Um, but it's, uh, it's interesting. You're saying this in football, too, since they've changed right. uh, the rules. You yeah. know, suddenly you've got, like, corners who are wearing six and yes. stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean hey I, I, does it really matter it's just it's, it's what we're used to but i don't think it really changes the price of bread so tell me i'm wrong jolson has become to the connects what chatfield has become to the hurricanes from jc yeah i'll tell you right jc good shout Possible. good line to draw too i mean no more than third pair right side defensemen but they're getting the job done you can shelter them there for the most part yeah the, the, it's going to be the, the toughest part of your team to upgrade. The risk, it, it, like I don't have any problem with Jolson being a member of this team. It's just about the role and the slotting, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and 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 you have to assume injury, and 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 a bump up in slotting at times. And are you okay with that? And we're actually seeing that right now because with no Susie, we're seeing an elevated. You would think mm-hmm. no Jolson. Tell me I'm wrong. Team USA to play showcase games in London against South Sudan and world champion Germany before the Paris Olympics in July. Basketball Phil says they're ducking Canada, even in a friendly tune-up before Paris. Well, don't necessarily know what went into the scheduling of all this, but you are right, Phil, that you know typically Canada and the United States, because of their proximity, have gotten together to play friendlies, tune-ups for Olympic Games, going back to the original dream team in Portland against our buddies Al Chris Manson. It may not be a, we're scared of that team. It may be a, why are we going to bother tipping our hand right. at all? Like, they are probably going to be our biggest foe. Why mm-hmm. are we going to give them a scout game yep. on us? Fair enough. Now, they, you, should, you could make that argument against Germany, too. Hmm. I mean, they'll be in the mix. Dirk Nowitzki is not walking through that door. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Jason Clover, don't tell me I'm wrong, but Brandon Staley may have to find his own way back to L.A. after giving up 63 to the Raiders. Well, he got back, and then he got canned yeah. alongside the general manager, and uh, that is the type of game where a firing, a house cleaning is appropriate. Yeah. And that was over early, and at one point the Raiders were just laughing at him. 
See the one-handed pick six on the wide receiver screen? Like, come on. That's, you, we, you know what's coming. Yeah. You know they don't trust the quarterback to throw it down the field. Oy. Hot take from Adam, the former Bath guy. After the Cowboys go another year without a win in the playoffs, Jerry Jones will fire Mike McCarthy and back up the Brinks truck in Bill Belichick's driveway. That is interesting. Yep. It's interesting. Because you know Jerry, and he likes his splashes. Playing and of course, he'll, team. he'll <laughs> feel like we need a coach to get this talented group over the hump. And McCarthy's won a Super Bowl too, but yeah, but he's he's debated as to how oh, much genius I'm, he has. I'm not, yeah. yeah, I'm not. Uh, and for Bill, I mean, and he's never had a dot connected to Dallas, really. No, it's been but, the Chargers. It's been Washington. Yeah, there's always the specter of the Giants from whence he came. Uh, was there a Raider rumor? Mm, I? I don't think I saw okay. that. But although Antonio Pierce is probably inching closer towards that job, but I like the fit. Like Bill's not a rebuild coach. No, um, he's a no. That's become clear. Yeah, over the last yeah, couple exactly. Years. So he's a win now yeah. coach. So I don't I'll mind go, it. Uh, I'll go hot. hot. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Can't get it to sizzling, but. Tell me I'm wrong from North Shore, Dan. Whether Luongo should be in the Ring of Honor or half his number retired is basically the big hall versus small hall debate each year. It's better for people to ask why your number isn't retired than why it is. I mean, I love the wisdom of the last sentence there, but in this case, I think it's it's 80-20, isn't it? Like, it's not a 50-50 debate, I don't think. It isn't for me. Like, I don't think you're offending many. I don't think you're offending a significant amount of people by putting his number in the rafters. No. Meanwhile, no. I think you are offending a significant number of people by not. So I'll, I'll use that logic. Yes, I think that's. I think that's fair. On P- to YouTube, yes, yeah. to YouTube. And response for a John Shannon interview: Luongo could have stayed on LTIR, and the Cox wouldn't have been hit with the salary cap recapture. Instead, he retired, which benefited Florida. You don't retire the jersey of a player who screws your team. We for, And that's from Britch, and good job. We forgot to uh, advise John of that when we were having that conversation. I did find myself explaining that to Carmen and her friends last night. Why isn't his number being retired? Oh, sit down, ladies. It's a, <laughs> it's a long story. And uh, They're no the, longer paying it. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. They've replaced it with another Florida player. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And Ross says he thinks in a decade or two you're looking at a, another goalie wearing number one. Yeah, could be. So here's some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Last week, two weeks ago, you brought us the story of Curtis Rourke, Nathan Rourke's younger brother, also a quarterback, also at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, and that he was transferring one of, uh, I believe it's like 2,000 players yeah, entered the transfer yeah. portal. And we wondered, okay, how much further up the pecking order of college football does he want to move? He is eligible for the 2024 CFL And there was some thought draft. that he might just go straight into the NFL draft. Well, there were... He's going to be drafting the CFL regardless. Yeah. Um, all these NCAA athletes who were 
on campus during the COVID season were granted an extra year of eligibility. Blake, it's the damnedest thing. Like some guys with medical red shirts have played seven years now of college football. <laughs> I think there's even a the ex- few examples of guys who have played eight because of various medical uh, matters. Yeah, the exactly. Yeah, no, ex- yeah. I mean, basically two, do two degrees, like, <laughs> or go to a degree in law school or masters. Yeah, yes. masters, whatever it is. So he's transferred to Indiana University. He's going to play Big Ten football. Granted, sort of down at the bottom of the Big Ten, but he's going to play some sensational defenses uh, next year. I'm not sure if Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Washington, Oregon, USC are all on the uh, schedule. Not that USC plays defense, but uh, it'll be a big step up, and we'll see how he can do because something his brother never. And it could the... hurt. It could hurt his stock for NFL. Could ice. could, but it's a good. Hey, good on him. Yeah, good on him. Yeah, and. Uh, We'll see if the uh, Lions bite in the CFL draft yes. next year. Yes. All right. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program, from Thursday's program and beyond. Uh, you corrected me. It's now Champions Cup, not Champions League. Which, by the way, that I'm, the Caps are contesting. I'm wholeheartedly against because yeah. it, uh, they did it to distinguish a, from Europe. You it, don't want to distinguish no. from Europe. Confuse them with Europe. And frankly, like <laughs> all the soccer cups and leagues are confusing enough. Yeah. Like, you want to equate yourself with European Champions League. This is the same. It's just over right. here. You know, like, you don't want to distinguish it. But So, whatever. They don't ask me. They should. Well, they should. <laughs> Set them straight. Victor knows where to find me. Um, Yerke says you refer to MLS teams as CPL teams. We were discussing the bracket for Champions uh, no, Cup. I like, talking about CPL teams. Not league. Forge and Cavalry are in Champions Cup. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Yerke also uh, corrected me that vote for Rory was during Luongo's first year, not pre-Luongo. Ah. Grady, anything from the inbox? Nope. Okay. Betway, bets of the daytime. Joe Flacco. He's got a contract now. Got teary-eyed after the big win last Sunday. Nice story. Browns have injuries on defense. My Bears have won two in a row. I'm taking Justin Fields and three points. Chicago v. Cleveland. Sunday. Jurgen Klopp quote, I never like it when the headlines about Manchester United aren't good before we play them because that's the game where they can put things right. I don't like that at all. The more people say bad things about them, the stronger they become. Mm. Manchester United, eight. And even eight versus Liverpool. To steal victory. Heck, if you're if you're oh. if you're a little cowardly, go draw at six. How the mighty have fallen. Right. Uh, your Betway bets of the day must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us, Rinkwide and Canucks Conversation, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.